0: My name is MC Allen what I'm bringing to you is the way you're interacting that is totally new. Point and click, I'm talking bump and cross, add an item to a pile simply with a toss. You got a plane on your screen and it's plain to see. This physics on, is stuff, there's two and a half D. That's real.
1: Um, thanks very much Oz. Thanks uh, to Brad for initiated the invitation and the Robotics Institute for sponsoring the talk. And it's a great pleasure to be here. When I went to that MIT, Carnegie Mellon was not Carnegie Mellon. It was Carnegie Institute of Technology. And things have certainly come a long way. Um, I'm going to talk to you today really about the work of my lab, the Technologies for Aging Gracefully Lab. technology in support of graceful aging, if you want to walk away with a handout as a reminder here's some very lovely postcards and just to put in a plug we 're always looking for bright graduate students and postdocs to to come work with us so uh, please contact me if what I do today gets you interested um, uh, The good news is yeah, we 're living we'll just, we'll a lot just pick longer. It up from here and then I'll- the staggering piece of data is some cutting united cutting nations again. data that i read B- a
2: baby B- might ago cry in like five, in the- 5 to 10 minutes
1: oh yeah that's okay
2: if okay
3: yeah if you have to stop yeah. or we have to no no issues man all right um yeah so hey that was kind of uh, you know we we threw out the hello at pencil problems and we got a few replies which was just pretty cool i i know some of my I recognize some of my uh friends names in there you you had a few uh, yeah
2: too i think right yeah no for sure man it's a lot more than (laughs) i thought i i am actually surprised people actually listened that far into that episode (laughs) i
3: know yeah we should we uh, we should probably like put something closer to the beginning uh, reminding people i don't know well we can play with that for for next week but it's um the you know just sort of like looking through uh yeah, like Nick said, we actually got more than we were sort of expecting. We were kind of hoping we'd just get like one and then we could just sort of use that as some fodder uh, for, for today. But the one of the topics that got uh, pitched is sort of a pretty good topic for us to to talk about. So here, I'll just sort of read uh, this part of, uh, of this email. And just for future, if anyone's listening and does want to write in, unless you give us permission or you want us to say who you are, we're never going to say who you are. So anytime we, we read something, we'll, we'll never, you know, identify you or say your name unless you, uh, want us to for, for any reason. So, um, or maybe it's better if you tell us that you don't want, I don't know, whatever, we'll, we'll figure it out. But basically just know that this is a private conversation unless you, unless you want it to be, let's
2: go with that for now
3: and see how that, uh, uh, see how that is. That does that sound right, Nick? Yeah, or that sounds right, of, uh, man. And
2: and and for anyone tuning in for the first time, um, we just asked people in the last episode to write into hello at pencilproblems.com if they had any sort of feedback, questions, um, idea topics, whatever. And yeah, um, yeah.
3: And we got thousands. No, we didn't. But we got more. <laughs> than, we get we got more than we 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 did an over under after. Yeah. And we we sort of thought that we'd get two. And we we got more than that. So that's that's good. (laughs) Um, Okay. So it said, you guys mentioned uh, uh, to talk about future podcast topics. I'd be curious to hear about your experience at grad school. My background might make my priorities different, but I'm wondering about learning and developing skills in a school setting versus at work. At what point in your lives did you decide to go? And what did you look for in the program or in a, a program that you you looked at and basically just like generally any advice around mm. around grad school. Mm. So I, I think this is a good topic. We have talked about this a little bit in episode three or four. And in case you haven't kind of pieced this timeline uh, together yet, so Nick and I actually met at grad school, and Nick and I went to uh, the University of Toronto together. We both did a masters there in a in a program. In the computer science faculty, called the DGP or the Dynamic Graphics Project, which is pretty funny because Nick and I didn't do much, <laughs> not very little, all. little <laughs> graphics, and maybe it was dynamic, but it wasn't very graphical. So, but the the whole kind of program centered around uh, user-centered design and uh, basically what you would almost call almost like product these days. Like if if I could kind of. You know, I I didn't know it at the time, but I think that if you wanted to be somebody like you, or a, or a PM, or or somebody who really uh, has a, a good sense of designing usable products, our our masters would have been an amazing um, uh, the kind of stepping stone or, or foundation for that.
2: Yeah, and it's, uh, it's like uh, it's human computer interaction, so oh, it's it. really yeah, yeah. it's really at the intersection of uh, I guess computers people. And so it's a mix of like social psychology, um, tech, design, um, I don't know, like everything. You just kind of throw it in there.
3: It's pretty cool. Not, Not to make us sound totally hyped up here, but if you've ever watched the TED Talks and TED Conferences and you have writers and super nerds and movie directors and they're all talking on the same stage, we had that same eclectic mix at... Dgp you had the super intense uh, computer science math nerds because you know graphics and and um, animation is just mm-hmm. pure pure math and it attracts a really very nerdy almost spectrum style person who you wouldn't expect to be doing you know Pixar movies but but they are, and a couple of the people we work with actually ha- had like technical Oscars. Through their work uh, in affiliation with Disney and and Pixar, which is pretty cool. Um, Then you had people who were, uh, you know, librarians, social scientists, uh, artists, designers, um, who wanted to take all of those, let's call them, soft skills of of uh, psychology, design. Sociology, anthropology, and merge that with technology. So, Mm -hmm. um, oh man, I remember, um, gosh, I'm going to blank on her last name, Danielle. Oh, I can't remember her last name. But, you know, she was this artist who was doing, you know, designing technology for like lovers at a distance, basically. So, not like, not like teledildonics, but. Um Was it the like like the hug and the yeah joke, yeah like yeah exactly this... so it's like how do you keep intimacy and like you know romance uh using technology when you're apart from your your lover and like that's not something you would expect from you know the super intense dynamic graphics project so
1: it's, it's again, all over and, the place yeah, yeah
3: and, and a lot of it is uh our, hopefully our first podcast guest, Ron Becker, who is Nick and I's prof. And he's just like really one of the fathers of, of modern computer science and modern graphics, you know, MIT, one of the first people in the room when a lot of this stuff was actually getting, you know, designed and, and built really amazing stories and, and cool, cool guy. And he just really believed in having this mix of technology, design, uh, art. And it was just this, looking back at i don't think i appreciated how amazing the the group of people we got to work with on a daily basis was it was it was pretty cool have, so have you uh
2: have you seen ron's uh apartment for his cats i have <laughs> <laughs> it's like in the drywall two floors and it's just like stairs and it's like a little cat condo built into the walls of his uh his house it's it, it's pretty amazing um, he, he
3: is a he is an interesting fellow. That is yeah. uh, uh he he's like he's a professor's professor. Um but you and, know like the,
2: the but the like Ken was saying, man, like the the projects are all, all over the place. Like like Mike Mike Massimi was doing kind of death yeah. and um looking at your identity and uh what happens to your digital self when you die and what happens to like you know your gmail your facebook what happens to all that information when when you die how do you carry that how do you uh put that in your will and is that like right. a thing and what
3: you, what 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 about all my alt tokens man who is going to inherit yeah. all those alt tokens seriously yeah. i mean no, but but yeah no it, super fascinating stuff and really like there's an example like mike was doing stuff that nobody else was doing i, I remember we went to the kai conference which is like a basically our conference, the computer, mm-hmm. um, the uh, computer-human interaction, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, oh, like, like the Kai, Kai not, conference? Yeah, I feel like yeah. that's not right. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember what it stands for.
3: Yeah, but um, basically, it was like the show for yeah. for people in our in our industry, and yeah, like Mike presented this basically this like new idea at at that conference, whenever that whatever year that was in Boston, mm-hmm. and. Um, now he's at Facebook, so...
2: He left Facebook. He's at Slack now. He's like a researcher at Slack. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot about that. So um, there you go. We have we have powerful friends. And, um, and I want to say, and I don't know if this is... I can't remember if this is completely true or not, but the even like the interface in um, Minority Report with uh, Tom Cruise, if you remember that movie, yes. uh, he puts on these gloves and he's kind of swiping along and changing screens and interfacing with this computer using um, essentially like um Like gestures, gestures. yeah. I believe that started at DGP.
3: I believe we had one of the first I think it might have been inspired by a DGP product, but I don't think we consulted on that, did we? Hmm.
2: I, I don't know. I, I feel it is, but maybe, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Um but there was a lot of that kind of stuff too, which oh, was yeah. really cool. Um which yeah, I anyways, it, it, was, it was it was really cool, really cutting edge stuff, I thought. Um I remember this one project where it was um Oh, what what they, what they do? They basically had like uh, a room and you had like this wand and you can kind of digitally paint against this kind of wall. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a whole second surface to this whole room. And you, you see kind of this thing now. Yeah. With
3: but this VR was, and AR, yeah.
2: Yeah. But this stuff was like, I don't know, 10, 10, years ago, more than 10 years ago, probably no, around 10 years ago. Yeah. No, no, maybe, maybe more actually. Um,
3: well, I guess when they would have started the research, it was probably twelve, like yeah, you know, like, like yeah, twelve to thirteen years ago, and then we were sort of seeing one of the more baked demos. But oh yeah, but some of the uh, the ideas that they were playing with with motion capture and, and all that. Now that you have AR and VR, like these are the ideas that are going to be getting dusted off the shelves. And yeah,
2: yeah, uh,
3: a lot of that work has already been been done. I mean, the the groundwork has been laid.
2: And when we were there, it's like, yeah, by some of these researchers and um, you're you're seeing stuff like uh, five, ten years before they become like a real thing. Um, Like in that in that project example, I remember it was like a room set up with a whole bunch of cameras to track your 3D position. And then this wand thing had like a projector hooked up to it, which was plugged into the wall. And it was super kind of like ghetto looking, but it. It's it's not for that. It's to prove this kind of idea and this proof of concept, right? Um, yeah,
3: like nothing was nothing was productized. It was all very, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was all kind of ugly and and all over the place. But it was these proving that you could do it technically, the math could work, and and yeah, super. Again, looking back, I think I don't want to say it was a regret, but. Just hanging out on the fifth floor more. So in, Nick and I yeah. were up on the on the seventh floor, and the beauty is like even though we were kind of these like Ron's bastard child uh, upstairs, they we had access to everything. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. there's, there's there's nothing stopping us from hanging out in the in like the virtual fifth floor, other than a serious case of imposter syndrome. And Wait, uh, so why
2: why why did you go with Ron? Oh man. Well, okay,
3: let, let's, no, oh, okay. let's, yeah. yeah, let's go, um, let's, I, I, I want to start, I want to start with you on this one because, okay. yeah, I, I've kind of already told my Ron story here too, so if you remember it, it I've I've kind of told it in the imposter syndrome episode, so I don't want to, I don't want to rehash it, you can go back okay. and listen to, uh, to the imposter syndrome one, but, um, but, but, but going back in time, so here I am, I, I had done about eight months or so, or six, six or seven months. And it was, you know, uh, application day and here comes in Nick who I'm reading his resume and he's, he's working at EA in Vancouver. He's got this, um, it, it just a, a very impressive resume for much better than anything I've ever done. I'd only gone to school. So I remember thinking to myself, like, who is like, I like this guy. He's great. I'd love to, ha- I'd love to have him here. He's smart and he's got great ideas, but like, why is he doing grad school? And I never asked you this, so why? I probably asked you at some point in one of our in one of our conversations, but why did you go to work and then go back and do your school? And I want I want inside baseball, inside the Actors Studio answer here. I don't want (laughs) like I I really want to know like like just yeah Um, no bullshit brass tacks. Like why did you go back? Because I don't. It doesn't totally. It's still in my mind. Doesn't. Kind of add up why you actually went back. So, um, tell tell me. (laughs)
2: Okay, so actually, okay, so I thought after you work a while, and I don't know if anyone's relating to this, but after you work for a while, you kind of get into this routine of like, okay, every day is kind of the same in a way. Like you wake up, you go to work, you're solving the same kind of problems day in and day out, and you can be working at a really cool place and the work is really fun. Um, but you don't have that flexibility of school. Like I, do you, do you remember like even going to undergrad, do you remember like what that was kind of like? Um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know, for for me at least it's like you own your own schedule. So you don't have to go to school every day if you don't want to, you can go like say twice a week, three times a week. You're, you're kind of in charge of your own work. Um, But it was also, like, I was working video games for a long time, and all I saw of the world were, like, video games. And I was, like, really into games back then, and I was making games, and I was breathing living games. All the people I hung out with were in the industry. Um, But I just remember in doing undergrad in my fourth year, uh, you know, they had those Capstone uh, project course things? Um, So I was. I forgot what the project I did was, but it was basically like, Oh, it was like a touch surface. And, um, I had like music songs represented as like little discs on this, like, uh, on the Microsoft surface, I think it was. And I could then take, um, other objects or other discs and put it on top and I can then alter the sound and I can make like, um, I can add some reverb or an echo to it. And it was all very tactile. Um, and it was really fun. And I did this with um, uh, not Kai. What's uh, what's what's his name? Oh, crap. I forgot his name now. Uh, the other uh, professor. Uh, uh, Ravin? Yeah, Ravin. Ravin. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I was going to say Ravi, but that that's terrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I did it with Ravin and uh, it was a lot of fun. But I remember after I finished, I asked him, um, I'm like, you know, he asked me if I wanted to stay and do grad school. Um, and then I asked him what's, what's the big appeal of grad school? And he was just like, it's the only time in your life where you're going to get the chance to do whatever the fuck you want and get paid for it. Hmm. Um, and we're kind of lucky in that regard because in computer science, you kind of get paid for it. Um, that's a big one. I, I think that's, that's, kind, of a, yeah. I think that's, that's kind of, I think it's kind of, I didn't
3: know that until, yeah. until I started doing the homework and it, I think I, I think we mentioned this in an old episode, but it—you almost can't talk about it to some people because it, it's the, not everybody does get paid. And truthfully, looking back, we got paid pretty well. Um, I have to go back and
2: remember—was oh, it like? It wasn't. It wasn't that much. Well, was so it like thirty-four? Was... Maybe. Yeah. Actually, okay. Maybe.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, considering what we were doing, that's not yeah. bad.
2: No, it was, it was, it, you're, you're paid to go to school and it was, it was kind of fun in that way. Um, but anyways, I, uh, so when I left, I was applying for a bunch of um, grad schools at the time, I think EA at the time. So I was working at, on NBA live franchise, which when I went into EA was like my favorite game and I was really into basketball. So that was really cool. And our first year it was like the game was like shit this is the first time we moved to like the Xbox and the Xbox 360 and our our game wasn't was garbage we got shit on in the Metacritic's um, reviews and then I was there for like four iterations of the game and I feel like at the last one that I was there like we got like an 80 Metacritic the game was kind of back and I felt like cool like I feel like we we've achieved what we set out to do Um, and, and what's your timeline here so you you did your undergrad at U of T? I did my undergrad at U of T. Right. Graduated in like, I, right after school, I went to EA in like 2004 or five. Okay, so you did
3: your capstone project with Ravi. With oh fuck, <laughs> with Raven, Raven. Raven,
2: Raven, I'm so sorry.
3: <laughs> Ravi Balakrishnan. Oh my god, this is like this is like a,
2: this is like a <laughs> it's like the Albert
3: Einstein of our of our field. He's anyway. This is that's embarrassing. Okay, Ravin, so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So sorry. There, I, I was not. I was never smart enough to be your student, and I'm still not smart enough to be your student. Um, okay, so you you did capstone. You went to EA. Okay, gotcha. And then. Yeah. How so many, then, um, how many iterations did you work on uh, at Ida? Four. So I did
2: uh, NBA Live six, seven, eight, and nine. Six, seven, um, eight, and
3: nine. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And then and,
2: game- um, and I feel like the game was a good place, and I feel like we I achieved what we we as a team wanted to do, and it it's it's a very different place. It's like you guys working at it's like you're working at Hubba right now, and you wanting to I don't know have reached like. Um, a 100,000 major retailers or something. I don't even know what your numbers are, but let's just <laughs> Come say Come on, boy. Come on, man. A million, it's... a million? I, I don't know yeah, like, what, yeah, what, yeah. what are we the metrics yeah. here. Okay. 2 2 million. Okay. You want to you want to hit 10 million retailers. <laughs> and and then you 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 hit that number.
1: And right. then it feels you're like,
2: like, I'm done. Cool. like you're like you're 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 kind of done. Like you could always um have a new number and new new goals, but you know, you were working on this 10 million number for like 4 years. Which and was crazy.
3: It. And then all of a sudden you hit it and you're sort of like, oh, okay, wow. Like now, now what? Like you're, yes. okay, I, I get it. You're in that kind of been there, done that. I could just keep setting the goal a bit harder. I could change games, but I know how to make a video game. I know my place here. I know that if I stay here, what the next four years of my life is going to look like. Yeah. If I, if I stay. Okay. Makes sense.
2: Um, And then I wanted to kind of um, just almost do a reset you know and uh, you know computer science is a lot bigger than video games uh, and I just wanted to see what other things were out there because I really did enjoy my capstone project time because I was like wow this is like a sneak peek into grad school and you just right. kind of choose some cool thing you want to do and you just do it and I'm like that that seems fun um,
3: well and especially for um, especially for some sorry I'm not trying to make this too mm-hmm. inside baseball here uh, but especially with Raven because Raven was notorious for kind of churning out, uh, papers and, and and students. I mean, he's probably one of the most published, I got, I'm, I'm, I don't know if he still is, but at the time he was by far one of the most published people in in the, in the field. Mm -hmm. And it's because he was really good at taking these kind of cool ideas, breaking them down into a a project and then Mm -hmm. just saying, Hey, go work on this for two years and, and you can probably get it done. And I think that, that's why you probably had such a good capstone experience because if you had been with Ron for your capstone, Ron was definitely more, I feel like he was more abstract. He was more, you know, I I think it's easy to sort of get Raven is very good at channeling ideas into, Hey, what can you actually publish next year? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that probably, I, I don't know. Do you think that had any effect on, you could almost see that you could go back and do essentially just, what you didn't at the capstone project, but better or, or more what you wanted to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, and it's different. Like, and this is, I guess if we, to step back a little bit, uh, the structure of grad school, at least for computer science, um, and and probably a lot of research masters, this is true. You follow like a prof and the prof had certain kind of research that they are pursuing, you know? So, um, like Kai, for example, was doing more of um, ubiquitous, ubiquitous like kind of computing, and that right. was his his field. Um, Ron was doing a lot of tech for seniors, and that was kind of his field. Right. Um, and then some of this depends on like what where your funding is, and you know, because as a as a prof, you're you're just looking for you're, a big part of your job is looking for funding. And you get funded by Google or Microsoft or all, all these big companies, and they also have object- objectives. So they want to know, you know, what's the next tech for like seniors or something, because they think it's going to be a budding field, and they want to um, get some research being done in this area. And the schools are basically like little farm systems that are doing their bidding for them, um, in in some ways, you know. Yeah. Would you I mean, I would think... you disagree?
3: No, I I think that that's a realistic yet sort of sad depiction of what's happening. But it'd be interesting to hear this from people who are in other industries, but I I think Mm -hmm. computer science probably suffers the most from industry... Sorry, one of the most from industry influence because, like you said, it's... I, I didn't meet a professor at U of T in computer science who wasn't either trying to get on Google's payroll or who wasn't already on... Google's payroll in, in some mm-hmm. regard. I, I mean payroll as in like taking grant money or something like that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there were, there was, now you can argue that Google being such a research focused company really does let people do whatever research they want. I mean, that's what Google would say. That's what Facebook would say. Mm-hmm. That's what, uh, you know, well, Apple doesn't really do that, but it, it definitely felt like the, it, it was sort of, like you said, a farm team, research and development and Mm -hmm. um, these companies were getting a sneak peek at what was coming. But yeah. Yeah.
2: But it's also, it's, it's not just coming from the industry, like the, the prof, they might be passionate about a certain area and they are trying to find specific industry partners to help fund and not necessarily just industry, but you know, government funding just, they need to get funds because research costs money.
3: Yeah, of course.
2: And uh, yeah.
3: So what So kind of going back to one of the questions, maybe we can get your take on it now. What did you – did you look at other programs or did you know that I, I had a really great capstone project? I want to just go have more of the same. Did you apply to different schools? So I in, did you
2: I, – I got into – so I applied to three schools. I applied – actually, no, I applied to – yeah, I applied to three schools. I applied to the Media Lab at MIT, but I messed that up and I was kind of late to apply. Mm. Um the, the I got into Carnegie Mellon, their HDI program. Damn, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, why and go there? I don't know. Okay, so I got into Carnegie Mellon, and I got to U of T, and I'd never been to Pittsburgh before, but I went, and I thought Pittsburgh was a dump, and I was like, oh my god, I don't want to live here. Uh, but that was probably a terrible reason to do that, like. I just remember going to Pittsburgh and I went with my parents and I got in a cab and I'm like, just take me to the most keeping it real Pittsburgh place. I want to get like for food and I want to get a sense of like what the city's like. <laughs> and they took me to this place and it was just like a sandwich Yeah. with like fries, cheese. like a stack of fries in the sandwich and then with cheese whiz with with bread and some beef. And I was like, this is so disgusting. And I, generally like I like kind of dirty food but even this was a little too gross for me and um, so wait a second. I felt like that that kind of you, turned me off you you,
3: okay for those of you who don't sorry this is kind of turning into inside baseball so we'll, we'll try to uh, take it more general here but uh, Carnegie Mellon is like one of the top uh, research schools for computer science up there with, with uh, I'd say probably the next to Stanford so would you agree?
2: It's a, it's a good school. It's it's, it's a really good school. Um, so to,
3: to say that you you walked away from that, I, I'm I'm going to go out there and say that I think that if you were just doing straight object like if you were trying to be <laughs> a, objectionally rational, your chances of having a successful career would be higher with a Carnegie Mellon um, g-
2: degree in HCI
3: Probably. than a than a DGP HCI. Just I'm just like just yeah. totally. Um, now part of that's just because it's in America, but it's, it's a damn fine school. (laughs) Okay.
2: Yeah. It's a good school. Um, but the other reason for coming to Toronto was just being back home with my family. Um, I kind of needed to be closer to home at the time. Uh, and I don't know, whatever. I, I got it. I got into U of T. It was a short, in U of T by every measure is still a top tier computer science school. Um,
3: sorry. 100%.
2: I, I'm not, yeah. yeah, I'm not trying to downplay the but Carnegie Mellon is Carnegie Mellon, you know, and uh, but at the same time, it just I needed to be kind of close to home. And uh, I was, you know, I got into U of T and it was like, perfect. Cool. Let, let's do it. Can,
3: can I just like throw in like a little random? Uh, this, this is a quick sidebar. But, you know, I used to when I was first going to San Francisco a lot for work, I would talk to people. It was very rare to, to meet someone from the Bay Area. So many mm-hmm. people are not from the Bay Area. All transplants. All transplants, yeah. But every yeah. once in a while, like at Tilt, we had this incredible designer, uh, Jacob, who was just from like 20 minutes outside of, of San Francisco proper. And it kind of reminded me of like Steve Jobs, who grew up in Cupertino a stone's throw away from all this stuff that was happening. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, man, what a lucky guy. Like he he gets born into... You know, everyone's lucky to be born in in Canada or the U.S., but he gets born right next to the mecca of tech, and he happens to be in a in a field, or he he was interested in a field that lends itself to tech. Like that's just that's amazing. And I realized for the first time, especially uh, Hubba gets a lot of um, you know we're we're just one of those companies that a lot of other people will come and visit, especially international people. And we hosted this event and you know, someone asked me like, Oh, where are you from? And I was like, Oh, I'm from Mississauga. And they kind of looked at me like, Oh, it's like, it's like 25 minutes outside of, of Toronto. And the guy looked at me and he's like, wow, you, how, how lucky are you that you like, you just, you were born like right within this Waterloo Toronto. And I had this just crazy moment (laughs) where it's like, fuck, Toronto is becoming this new, I'm not going to say we're the next Silicon Valley, but it's, it's a big deal now to to be in Toronto and in our industry in tech, and I think that um, obviously Waterloo is kind of carrying a, a big of the weight there. But but U of T's computer science program has earned that reputation too. So anyway, it's just sort of funny mm. how yeah, yeah. we're we're the lucky people who happen to be born you know thirty minutes outside Toronto. So it's it's kind of cool. Yeah. that it's, it's happening yeah. like that. Anyway, um, okay, sorry. Back to Back, back to you. So you want it to be, you still want it to be close. It's a great school. It sort of checks off all these boxes. The food's way better.
2: Go yeah, on. and I don't know. I just need to be close to home. I came to Toronto, but um in in hindsight, in 2008, so I thought the city was. I wasn't really in love with the city, but it was a big college town. And in that year, the Penguins went to the Stanley Cup Finals. The Steelers won, <laughs> won the oh, Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I think Pitt, which is like one of the college basketball teams, yep. I think they went to the Final Four that year. It would have been just bananas. I think um,
3: <laughs> you wouldn't have gotten any work done. That's went, a good, I, it was a I,
2: blessing in disguise. I, I, I guess so. Um, but anyways, I so I came to Toronto, and uh, that's why I chose U of T. Why, why did you choose U of T? Uh,
3: my, mine's really, mine's so funny. So I knew I was gonna do grad school when I knew I wasn't going to be a doctor. So, you know, went to school to be a doctor. I had my, you know, third year epiphany week. I think I talked about it here where, you know, in one week, three things happened to me. One, I did something so amazing from a programming standpoint at six o'clock in the morning after staying up all night without the use of, of supplements and stimulants and just had this true moment where I felt like, holy shit, this is magic. I'm a magician. Computers are amazing. Um, I learned about the placebo effect and in my mind, almost just threw away all of modern medicine. I know that's not a good idea, but in my head, I was like, oh my God, it's all in your fucking mind. Why do I want to be a doctor? And then the third one was just realizing that all these people that I wanted to be, that I was competing against to be a doctor were all dicks and would have been terrible doctors. Uh, most of them. Um, and I just got kind of disnavered by that whole thing. So really quickly, I realized now, all right, I'm in this weird degree program, biomedical computing. I don't really love biomedical computing. Like I don't mm-hmm. want to go work at, um, you know, Philips and program a, a an ultrasound machine, or I don't want to go work for a bioinformatics company. Like that just wasn't uh, – and there's no way I would have gotten that in Toronto. I for sure would have had to move. So I – Um, because again, this is back in 03 or 07. So I knew I had to, or I I wanted to do grad school. I, uh, really had three choices. So I I applied local. I was basically, I knew I was going to get married to my wife at this time. We were already planning on, on setting up roots in the GTA. So I find
2: insane, by the way, dude, just you're, you're talking about you're what, 20, 21, 22 years old.
3: 20, I was like twenty three at the time yeah
2: <laughs> oh wow, okay,
3: yeah, and um and yeah, so we uh, I mean like I think that i did yeah so i did I didn't even kind of let myself get tempted with uh going too far outside, and mm-hmm. I just kind of that was just I knew it wasn't something I really wanted, especially not at, at that time, um so i went to uh, Waterloo, Queens, and uh, U of T, and I did my undergrad at Queens. Mm. So I was very close to staying at Queens. I met this amazing professor, um, and he basically just, you know, I did my thesis project with him and said, hey, if you want to carry on, do a master's, even a PhD here, I think you could do it. I'd love to be your supervisor. You know, just sign this piece of paper. You don't even have to apply. You're you're good to go. Mm -hmm. That sounded fun. But for me, it was actually... um, it was a uh, a video that i saw on youtube from uh, anand with bump top and mm. that video just you know looking back to i mean what it was a 3d desktop it was it looked really cool but it actually wasn't that practical when i actually got to use it but there was something about the creativity and the holy shit like you can do that with a computer like some mm. some someone a couple years older than me built that and uh, when i saw that he was at uft it was kind of this weird like little celebrity cult I created around him. And I just said, I, I want to work, I want to work with him. I, I mm-hmm. want to work with, with that guy or with, with those people who, who are doing that, even though I had no business doing it. I, I had no background in it. And so I did get into Waterloo as well. And uh, kind of same with you. I went to the campus. I just had no feelings for Waterloo at all. I thought it was very cold and yeah, a very kind of weird just a weird place i just didn't vibe with me at all and yeah. i um looked at toronto and you know uh just loved it and that was it i decided to uh to do so it, it was but, a weird but why
2: but why but why did you do grad school like why not just like okay you you don't you don't, you're not gonna you don't want to work at phillips but um oh, i don't oh, know right, you could have right. done a different degree or something else but like you did yeah Gradual. so
3: so selfishly and i think this is you know me being a, maybe more honest than i've ever have been mm-hmm. once i realized what what it was about so i started talking to people i found out how much time like you said how flexible your schedule was i i always wanted to dabble in consulting and mm-hmm. i really saw it as a as an easy way to basically get paid to get a degree while still consulting and doing startups on the side. So mm-hmm. I was never not doing a startup and also consulting and doing my master's at the same time. I Even from day one. <laughs> I kind of remember I, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, you're, from you're, you're day a busy one, guy, man. And I told Ron, I, I, I figured I wasn't going to hide it. I mean, I, I told him flat out, hey, Ron, I have a startup I'm working on. I might be traveling back and forth to San Francisco. By the way, also, I'm... I'm consulting for for some clients, and uh, I want to get this done in two years because I'm getting married in in two years. And mm-hmm. like he he loved the goals and said, "Okay, yeah, you can do it. Let's let's go." So uh, I definitely was in hindsight probably too busy. But so brass tacks. The reason why was it was a very selfish. I wanted the I wanted the, the letters beside the name. I thought that would help me uh, get a get a better job or or get a a more clout if I was to try to raise money myself in a startup.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Same, same, same.
3: I really didn't expect, like what I actually got out of it, which we could talk about, was not anything that I was expecting to get out of it. So I I really saw it as like me just like going through the motions to get a degree and uh, make some money on the side. Oh, and sorry, last thing for me was I knew I wanted to TA because there was this weird part of me that really enjoyed teaching i still mm-hmm. love teaching mm-hmm. and i was like could i be a professor i don't know i don't i don't think so but let's give it a shot so I TA'd as much as i could i always took on a full ta load as well mm-hmm. and realized pretty quickly that i was not going to be a professor after after a year of that so
2: um yeah that was kind of
3: it very utilitarian for me at the beginning
2: Yeah, it's part of, like, getting, like, I know I wanted to kind of upgrade myself in a way, and, um, you know, there's different ways to do that, but a lot of ways, like, a big way is getting, like, the extra three letters behind your name, and you could, I was thinking at the time actually doing my MBA, or doing, like, a master's in computer science, Um, or master's in science, right? Yeah. Um, And I waffled a bit, because I thought if I did MBA, it would open more kind of money opportunities because i'm like you have a business background you have a tech background it's 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 going to open a lot of doors but sure um doing a research master's i kind of knew going in that i wasn't going to be making money from this i kind of knew it was going to be more of a you're just going to do this because you find this interesting kind of play um but you'll still get this three letters which is great but you're gonna it's not going to be like um, you're not doing this for the money. It, right. It's and more I, for the the love and interest.
3: And what's really interesting was I I got so lucky because my wife decided to do her MBA, mm-hmm. and um, just because of how our, our schedules were at the time, and I'm you know I was running uh, my consultancy at the time, and I was I had a startup at the, you know so I was always interested in like you know management and leadership and business and all that stuff, and I got to really audit her MBA, so I. Mm. I just I would just show up with her. I would sit in classes that I found interesting, like you know negotiation or or budgeting or whatever it was. I never mm-hmm. went to any like you know actual accounting or finance ones. And you know, Christina, I really admired how she approached the MBA because she works with with her family business and really has no like there's absolutely no reason for her to get an MBA. I mean, she doesn't need it for career advancement. She um You know, it's just not something that she needs the letters for at all. Mm -hmm. She really wanted to learn things that she didn't know. So she took a... She went to a really specialized real estate MBA program that Schulich offers. Mm -hmm. And it it was just interesting kind of seeing her pick it for a whole other set of reasons, which was there are these six classes here that I don't know how else I'm going to learn this. And it's too expensive for me to learn on the job. So... Mm -hmm. Like one of the crazy things my wife can do, which blows my mind is someone could show her a piece of land almost anywhere in, let's just say in in North America, like Canada and the US, just Mm -hmm. here's an empty piece of land. And then you give her Excel and she can, with all this public information and all of her spreadsheets and math and formulas and all that crap, she can tell you how much you should pay for that land for it to be profitable Mm -hmm. as a as a developer, like mm-hmm. to build condos or to put a shopping mall or we should right, put right. Uh, the parking lot should have this many spaces instead of that. Like she, like she can do all that stuff. And, but she learned that at doing the MBA, like, or she, she learned a lot of the basics or the foundations and all these cases and stuff at the MBA yeah. level. So she said that if she had have tried to do that on, on like her own time at her company, she would have, like the stakes were really high. Like the cost of a mistake is, is super high. Um, it's just, it's not something that she could have easily learned on the job. And mm-hmm. that was kind of cool because I could see it also being, um, like to this question that we got asked, if you're, if you are really looking to pick up skills at a, at a high level, not an undergrad level, because part of the question here is like, you could just go and do an undergrad. I mean, mm-hmm. if, you, if you need to learn hard skills, going to school is kind of a good way to do it. If um, you've got the money and you've got the time and you almost need the motivation to learn. I think that um, you don't need school at all these days with the internet, but you do need it for uh, cultural verification of a degree and you need it to hold yourself accountable. So if you're paying money or if you've committed to doing grad school, you're more likely to finish. Whereas if you decide to download the Stanford open AI yeah. course curriculum, there's no fucking way you're going to finish that. So, yeah. you know, there, there's like, there's something to be said about just picking it for skills.
2: But um, it was and also then, like, I think what was nice though, was like blocking off our time. Like we, it was like a full-time thing and um, it, it wouldn't have been the same if I did a part-time.
3: You mean, yeah. Our masters. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely not. And again, I look back on hindsight and I should not have done what I did. There's no Mm -hmm. way I should have been as busy as I was. I think that the serendipity of just walking the halls instead of, you know, grinding as much as I was, I would have, but but again, I I can't complain. I'm I'm very happy with my life. So I, it, it worked out, but I, I don't, I think that if I could go and tell myself when I'm starting it again, it's almost like, look, Hey, you're making this decision. It's only two years of your life. Slow down, ask questions, stay curious, you know, see where this thing takes you. Don't have any preconceived notions, but work your ass off because it's very hard to finish this in two years. And, um, you know, and and I think the, I'll, I'll sort of throw in my biggest piece of advice that I've heard from every single person that I know who has done grad school in any discipline, whether it's a research master's or a, um, uh, a course-based master's or a PhD, it, it really all comes down to your professor. So if you pick the wrong person, it's kind of like marriage. If you If you just don't pick the right person, if you don't ask the right questions, if your values aren't aligned, if you're not willing to put up with the personality inconsistencies, it could become a nightmare. And, you know, you want to make sure that you are really have good, honest, open communication with your professor Mm -hmm. and that you, you, you just, you just know where you stand on what your goals are. And I don't know about you, but I uh, like one friend in particular, you know, uh, but should have been a a four year PhD, uh, sorry, a a two year masters became a four year PhD, which then turned into a five and a half year masters because he was, you know, his professor held him ransom and say, well, you got to do another three years to get a PhD. And anyway, I mean, I, mm-hmm. maybe that's just like this one horror story, but you, you, you just really need to um, know what you're getting into and, and have clear expectations. Um, yeah. As in like,
2: yeah, that's all. And and I, I kind of liked actually rewinding a bit, like what Christina did, because it's doing it with a very clear focus of what you want to learn and what you want to get out of it. And, um, that, uh, that's tied to the professor because your professor that you're going to choose or the instructor, whatever, the, the person you're going to follow, um, kind of dictates a little bit, the area that you're going to be working in, the kind of research you're going to be doing. Cause they have to approve it. They have to say, yeah, okay, cool. I'm willing to commit you, um, the next two years, five years, whatever. So you can do research in this area. Um, but I think you have to have that idea of what you want, like what kind of area, what kind of problems do you want to solve? Like I went in a little bit too open and willing to like, Ron's like, Hey, let's do this. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do that. Um, and, and I don't know. I I think if I, if I spent maybe half a year or a year before grad school thinking about what I wanted to do in grad school um as opposed to like i'm just going to do this to get three letters and then i'm going to i'll work hard at whatever i do but um going in with like this is what i want to get out of it and i want you guys to bend to my objectives
3: yeah that's a really that's that's a, probably just as important well i well i think it goes hand in hand though with picking the, the, the hand professor in hand. Yeah. yeah because yeah. you um you yeah like ron Ron had a lot of ideas, and luckily, he, we sort of uh, like his pitch to me was, okay, why do I have a watch that reminds me what time it is, but I don't have a watch that reminds me what your name is? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a cool question. And that's really it. Like, that's how we started. He's like, do you Mm -hmm. want to build that? Like, do you want to build me a watch that tells me what your name is, that Mm -hmm. reminds me of your name? And, I was like, that sounds really hard. I don't even know where to start. And he's like, that's exactly it. Like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't either. So that, that's what a master's is. And again, I think that mine was almost more of a PhD. And Ron and I talked about this as we were trying to write the thesis because it, it was probably too ill-formed. And mm. what, what we should have done is picked a really small subset. And that should have been my master's, which would have then been the groundwork for somebody else's PhD. And mm-hmm. that was kind of the plan actually with Mike Massimi, where I was sort of almost his research assistant and I was gonna be doing work that was gonna help him get his PhD, but then he just totally 180 and started looking at mortality and, and uh and death, yeah. which was amazing. That was a great pivot. But yeah, it it um yeah, I think that Ron probably would have loved it if I had of had four years in me to really sink into that problem. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, like I just sort of Added some surface level insights that were not earth shattering to that field. I mean, um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I give myself like a, a B, you know, or maybe even like a B, B, B or B minus. Like I didn't, I didn't nail it out of the park, but I, I did a good job and I finished and I, I, I did what I said I was going to do. But, um, but I think you're right. If I had have had a better idea or even if if someone had have told me that I had permission, it kind of goes back to the imposter syndrome. Like, here I am. I'm 23 years old, 22 years old. I'm talking to these like titans of the computer science industry. I've got, you know, these guys with Oscars and Anand, who's about to sell his company to Google for God knows how much. It just felt like, oh, you guys want me at this party? Yeah, I'll do whatever you say. You know, and mm-hmm. I think that I had the permission to to mold that to my own. Uh, thinking or i could have shaped it a lot more than i did and i Mm -hmm. I really just sort of tried to execute
2: ron's vision let's say um
3: and, uh, and
2: yeah like i think when i when i talked to ron in the beginning he's like well you have a games background you know how about like we do something with games and seniors i was like cool and i don't know my my project at the end was um, looking at how do you improve social interaction with seniors using games. And I basically built like a online poker system because I was really into poker at the time. (laughs) So I was like, I'm going to build an online poker system, but I'm going to get seniors to play not just as players, but like participants. And I set up like a online poker system where um, seniors can pair up with remote seniors and they can play together and one is like the teacher one's the learner they can be peers and um i built that out and it was cool and it was fun to build and i was into poker and it was it was great in that way but um i think about all the topics all the interesting kind of um startupy things that we talked about all the these hey we should build a project that does this or that those could have been just as easily our research masters
3: Yep, 100%. Um, if we had the
2: conviction to say like, yeah, no, I believe in this more than that and let's do it.
3: Right, or, or you can almost see where I think in the old days, or I, I don't know if this is right at all, but I think before the master's when it was kind of a PhD was really all there all there was. The idea was you would basically wander around for two years, so or or for a year at least, and you would sample all these different flavors of research. And then... That would like because when Mm. you first come in, you don't even know Mm. what questions you want to ask. You don't even know what's possible. Then you start talking to people. Okay, let me let me ask you a straight up question. Again, I feel like this is a bit inside baseball, but fuck it, this podcast is just for us. Yeah. Um, you know, when when you got like six six months in and you really started talking to Kai, were you like, fuck, Kai should have been my prof? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I okay. So this is what happened. I, I I don't know if it's different for you, but you get into computer science. Uh, HCI, you interview with Ravin, you interview with Kai, you interview with Ron. Those were the three HCI props at the time. Yep. Um, uh,
3: there was one other one that I interviewed with uh, Karan,
2: maybe? Oh, Karan. Yeah, yeah. Karan. Yeah, I, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, Oh, I, he, I didn't interview with he him. Was uh, he was on
3: sabbatical. He was on sabbatical the year you came. He was working okay. at Pixar. <laughs>
2: um, and Ravin, first of all, he was, when I met him, he was, or when I interviewed with him, he was telling me that he's going to be on sabbatical soon. So right. yep. he's like, I'm going to be a little bit distant. It's up to you if you want to do this or not. He was doing then, that,
3: like that, like farming. Um, trying to teach farmers in India who couldn't read how to use screens or something, right? Wasn't that his?
2: Some, it was something like, yeah, it he was, was doing some work in India at the time. Yeah, I don't, like r- rural India. I th- I think yeah, it was yeah, like yeah.
3: Teaching illiterate farmers how to. Yeah. It was like it's. Sorry, I just got to plug this because it was so cool. It's like he like the ability for them to, to look at a smartphone and predict the weather can mean life or death for, do you plant your crops on Monday or do you plant your crops on Thursday, yeah. given when yeah, it's going to yeah. rain, but yeah. they can't even read the screen. So he was trying to build almost like modern hieroglyphics so that they could look at some device and it would just tell them like, it's going to rain tomorrow, but mm-hmm. they don't know how to read. So anyway, it was super interesting. Um, yeah, almost like anth- anthropology more than, more than, uh, a very Yon chip chase
2: yeah no it was super cool um but then when i i was like oh man you're gonna be away for a lot of this and even that like that sounded very cool but it seemed very like focused and niche and i was like yeah i don't know anything about that stuff yeah, um yeah. but then i met with kai and kai was he wasn't he was the the greenest of the set yeah at the time he- um but you know, we got along really well, and he I feel like we would have like I still jam with him all the time on on things. and we would have got like along well. But then Ron was the first one to reach out to me. and I when you get accepted, you get accepted in under one of these profs to start with, and then you can right. switch. um and then Ron, I was really into that area of like tech for seniors because I thought that was a really interesting field uh i i I love old people and i get along really well with (laughs) with them and i was like this is this would be really cool um and i felt a bit committed in that he accepted me and i felt i needed to be loyal to him interesting yeah and i don't know if that was right um but i also felt like okay games seniors that's both are super cool and he accepted me so i should really run with him but I knew after I interviewed him though, interviewed with him though, that he was, he he probably wasn't the right fit. It's like, it's honestly like finding a prof is like, it's like dating. It's like yeah. partly the topic, but partly like you're going to be working with this person a long time. Um, and doing like a master's, I don't know about you, but I felt it, I felt it was very isolating. So it's really, you're on this one topic for like a couple years and Partway through, you're going to think this topic is terrible or your project's dumb or nobody's going to give a shit about this. Doing your PhD is even worse because that's like six years of this feeling. Right. And you really need like a prof that you can, you'll can, you feel you can get good support from and that you can kind of jam with a little bit better. And I felt like my chemistry with Ron wasn't the best. Like he was a little bit more business-minded, um, and which is okay, but it wasn't really what I – where my head was at the time.
3: Yeah, that's funny because I I was these I think I was the opposite where I would talk to people like Kai and who I and he was my second reader and one of the best compliments I ever got was so talk about imposter syndrome I always just felt like an imposter I think I talked about this that whole episode so I really thought that I was gonna get almost like kicked out of DGP on a on a weekly basis they would be like oh yeah why is this guy here like really like by far the most uncomfortable I've ever been. Because everybody was so much smarter than me, you you included, uh, and a hundred percent. And I would just talk to Kai, and I and I found it super interesting. Like I had, okay, actually I should take one step back. When I knew I was going to go to grad school, and when I knew I was going to be a computer person, was reading The Age of Spiritual Machines by Ray Kurzweil in grade eleven, mm. and I. Had never my mind literally they like blew the doors open in my mind as to what could be potentially coming in the next hundred years of of computer science and I formed my still my current theory is that humans are just a link in the evolutionary chain to to synthetic life like we are we will absolutely be replaced by machines one day that's not even a doubt in my mind. And we are really just here to give birth to intelligent spiritual machines and then humanity will will disappear. That's still my my kind of my belief. So mm-hmm. change change the way I thought. And I saw this as a way, especially somebody like Kai in UbiComp and Ubiquitous Computing, Internet of Things, now it's kind of called. That was all like in Ray's book. So mm-hmm. Kai to me was was testing a lot of the ideas, whether he knew it or not, that that Ray was talking about in the age of spiritual machines. So mm-hmm. So i Kai and I always got along, and that's why he he actually asked to be my my second reader and um we just had like great non research like non uh result oriented conversations let's put yeah, it that way. yeah 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 um but I knew that like he was just i couldn't do some of the stuff he wanted me to do i I wasn't smart enough or I wasn't good enough programmer to actually pull off some of the stuff he was talking about and Whereas like Ron was very business oriented and so was I. Ron was like, "We could turn this into a company," and I was like, "Fuck yeah, let's do it, bro! Like, let's <laughs> let, like I'll I'll incorporate us tonight." Um, so I, Ron and I really got along with that whole kind of business um, side of things. Yeah. And and because I was really honest with him, I never tried to hide the fact that I was I was moonlighting throughout my my masters. And but but going back to Kai though, I think that the biggest compliment i got from him was when i submitted my thesis to him i was super nervous because it was very tight i needed to get it signed by a certain date or i was gonna have to pay all this money and he just i remember he emailed me back and he's like wow like this is actually really good he's like i got a lot of feedback but yeah like i'm gonna pass you like you've got great stuff in here and i was like holy fuck that's amazing coming from him it was like i was on cloud nine Mm -hmm. and um but sorry all that being said i i know that like you, you were more of a research guy, really. Like you were more, you you should have moved to Kai. I don't think you should have been loyal to Ron. I don't think you. I don't know. I I just I don't think he was the right fit for you. And if you
2: if I if I went with Kai, I might have done my PhD. I
3: think you would. I think you might be a research fellow at Google, or you might be at U of T still. Like I, I could see you having gone down that path because. Um, Or you and Kai would have spun out a company.
2: Um, Uh, Dude, but I, at the same time, okay, I don't know about you, but after, so after the first year, um, I was like, this is shit. Like I want to make some money. Like I realized you start seeing a little bit of the politics of academia and it's like the pressure to publish. Yeah. Like publishing papers. That is the currency. And I was like oh man this is this is kind of bs you see some of the research that's going on to not just not like just at uft but like elsewhere you go to these kai conferences and there's some really good stuff but there's also a lot of garbage and i'm just like are we really solving anything interesting here like you guys are there's a, a paper on like how do you improve um touch uh typing like um efficiency by like a quarter of a percent and they write a paper on that or I'm like, eh, that's kind of cool, but I'm oh. not really into that, you know. Don't,
3: like don't you remember Raven used to get lit up a lot uh where Yeah, he, you know, it would be like, "Oh, here's a minority style interface tested against a foot interface." Like yeah. where like you put sensors on your feet and it's yeah. like, "Yeah, of course the minority report interface is going to win." Like why why is this even but that would be like one of these top papers yeah. because it, it was it was almost like BuzzFeed. Raven was really good at headlines and his papers would get picked up because it was like minority report in real life. And really what that meant is a bunch of guys just like spent some time whipping together this prototype and started timing how long it took them to do tasks. But it didn't actually like, did that really drive anything forward? Like they weren't, yeah. let's put it this way science the reason why science is the most amazing thing in the world is cuz you have these like refutable hypotheses right that's what mm-hmm. separates hard science from from pseudoscience and raven rarely was creating hypotheses that could be refuted his stuff was all just always like hey here's something cool and and i think that that was really good at getting him uh, attention and papers and funding which then let him do some really original stuff. But a lot Mm -hmm. of his students were looking back on it. It's almost like clickbait, but at the highest form, you know, does that make sense?
2: Yeah. And, but there was time, there was a time too where he was just over that. And we, I I don't know if you remember this, but they, we do like a, um, it was like every week people would just present stuff to all, to like all (laughs) of TGP. They talk about their paper or whatever or what they're working on. And Ravin would just like rip into people hard um and i i actually found those pretty awesome like i found those kind of hilarious because i would think the same thing he's thinking sometimes he's like who gives a shit about this like why are you even doing it and i was like wow like how do you even respond to that as a student but but that was his but that that was
3: his student though so yeah i love that no but 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 he would still get the paper published like oh yeah yeah but but you know what i mean so it it was this weird like maybe that was his own way of like um uh and you're right. I mean, obviously, he always tried to make sure that it was as good as it could be. He didn't want yeah. to be the butt of any, you know, HCI, you know, uh, joke. But, um, but okay, yeah. So you 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 probably would have done but, a PhD, but yeah.
2: or, or or I don't know. Like, I think I would have done a PhD with Kai. I don't know. I I definitely would have published a lot of different things than just what I was working on. Um, and I think. I don't know. Anyways, I, I I after year one I kind of felt grad school was a little bullshit. A little bullshit. Um I wanted to get out. I wanted to make money again because I was used to a certain kind of lifestyle. Because I was making okay money at EA and then suddenly I'm like, Yeah, I'm making grad school money. It it's not the same.
3: Hey, hey, that was a big deal for me. <laughs> but but no, like but, you but, know, but, but, but 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 I, but I was consulting though. If I wasn't consulting, I would have been that, I would have had that same um, yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: So after year one, I started consulting. <laughs> I remember. So then, or or maybe even before that, but I, then I started doing like a lot of consulting work, and I was like, I need to get to a certain lifestyle that I'm used to, and I need to start making money, and um, I started moonlighting. That,
3: that, that we were all consulting at one point, like Kevin <laughs> Miller, you, me, like uh, Masashi was too with Citizen Lab. Like everybody was was basically doing some form of moonlighting. But you know what? Um, I don't
2: think that's abnormal though. Like if you think no, of any no, – even no. in undergrad, uh, people have part-time jobs and oh, I guess that's a little different but still. Yeah,
3: but it's, it is a little different just because like, you're, you're, you're trying to well, – I, I mean for me, I think it just sort of shows you the kind of people that Ron attracted though too or the kind of people that he yeah, picked. Where, yeah, 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 for sure. I feel like if we had been downstairs, like th- that just wouldn't have flown. Like it just – it was – some of the people uh, I don't want to call anybody out by name, but they definitely looked at us just as second class citizens for sure. Like, like the, the Becker boys were not.
2: Um... I kind of like that though. Oh, well, me too. I, 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 I loved it because
3: yeah. then no one paid any attention to us. I had no. No, it's, no... it's not.
2: It's not even that. Like I felt oh. like we were underdogs, and I I wanted to. I felt like I was there to represent. Oh yeah, see, but I knew I couldn't bring it, so I was
3: just like, "Fuck you guys!" Like, I'm still gonna get a piece of paper, same as you. No,
2: but your 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 project was cool, man. I thought your project was cooler than a lot of the projects at DGP. Well,
3: I thank you, um, but it it was still the, I again, I made the mistake of focusing so much on the technology and less on the, on the experimental design. That when it yeah, came time to actually sure. run run the experiment, I was like, "Oh, I don't know how to do that," or. That's that's hard.
2: <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't really know how to do that stuff either. Yeah. And, you know, um, and
3: um, but but I think that again, if 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 we had have had more stewardship on some of that stuff, I think it could have been. Uh, but 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 again, like so, I just bringing it back to the question. I think yeah. I can sum up why everybody should do grad school if they can. And I'm talking specifically about a research. Okay, so actually, I'll, I'll give you my, my quick thoughts on both to just summarize them. Uh, course-based masters and I lump MBAs uh, and even I'll even say something like a law school. In Okay, law school is on its own because that's a professional degree. So let's say MBAs and things like um, there are certain um, Masters of Science or Masters of um, Arts degrees you can get that are completely course-based. There's no uh, thesis component at all. So uh, only do that if you have to do it. So if you want to be a management consultant, you probably have to do that. Um, It's going to be very hard for you to get a job if you don't have an MBA because everybody you're competing with has MBAs. So it's almost just like an undergrad degree. You kind of need something like that. Um, And then you should actually pick your degree based on pedigree. So if you get into a, a reputable school that you can afford, you should always pick the one with the best pedigree because if you're thinking of career advancement, right. Mm -hmm. Um, Then if you're, if you're, uh, but if you're doing a research masters, I'm just going to go on and say that if, if you can do it, everyone should do it because it's, it's intellectual summer camp that you, you might get paid for.
2: (laughs) Dude, That's the best way of explaining it. It it really is. It's intellectual summer camp.
3: It's, you you will never be more in, intellectually free. You will never meet... I mean, we talked a lot about how awesome DGP was from, a, from a, a different background perspective, but I'm sure that that's not unique to DGP. I think that when you get into a master's program, and this is what I'd be selecting for, is just like, who, who am I going to run into in the coffee room? And am I going to want to have a conversation with that person? Because the intangibles you pick up around your experience at grad school are worth way more than the the, the hard skills or the, 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 the piece of paper you're going to get. Um, and, and then I would say that unless you really want to be a professor or unless you have a burning desire to do pure research, or if you're in tech and you want to work at and become an executive at Google, like, don't set your sights on doing a PhD, just do a master's and if you love it then do a phd if you don't absolutely love it and i'm talking like if you're not all in then don't even entertain the idea of a phd cuz i think it it'll kill you by year 4 or 3 or whatever so and you'll know it's like love like you'll just know you'll just you'll wake up one day and say oh my god i want to do this for the rest of my life or get me the fuck out of this place like like where's the the button to get me out of here faster And mine was kind of... uh, That's extreme. I I wasn't quite in that camp, but there came a time where, just being super honest with you, you only get paid for two... For at least us, we only got paid for two years. So... But when the third year rolled around, I would have actually had to pay tuition. And at that time, the tuition was uh, $8,000. So literally, if I didn't get my paper signed by... It was October... 21st or 20th or something like that, I would have had to pay $8,000 even if it only took me another three or four weeks to get my degree. Mm. So when I knew that that clock was ticking, I just really did the math and I was just like, this is not worth $8,000. Like, I need to get this done by October 20th. So it, like, do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, a... yeah, yeah. So clearly I was not ready for a PhD if that was my my feeling.
2: The other and... realization, I think, I don't know for you, but like there was i like the building part of it like building the poker system and like this idea of what we're going to test but actually putting it in paper form and doing the proper proper research and coming up with a proper like methodology for all this and then the statistics to go with it i was not really good or into that and like karen moffitt came jeremy Bernholtz came and they <laughs> yeah. kind of just brought me to that finish line um well
3: but but here's an interesting like but then Maybe intellectual summer camp is even being too generous. I think what you and I wanted, and I think this is why you and I have connected for as long as we did, but what you just described, that was the most fun part for me too, was actually building a piece of software that, that I didn't know one if it was going to work and that wasn't even the point. Like The freedom to build something without business value does that make yeah. sense?
2: Like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: W- when you're at Sego, no, at the end of the day, if you're not doing something that's like adding business value or adding fun value to kids or whatever that metric is, mm-hmm. you probably can't do it, or, or you 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 can only do it for a little bit. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. I- in grad school, that's the whole point is to do something, and you don't know how it's going to apply. You don't know if it's going to work. It could it could not work. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you just want to work. out. At an incubator and get paid. So, you know, it's like I've got these four ideas that I want to develop, and I want someone to pay me to develop them. And I'll give you a piece of it if it works. But mm-hmm. I, it kind of sounds like how Y Combinator was originally set up, um, where or TechStars in in Denver, where it's like you you're not investing in in the ideas. You're almost investing in the people. You're you're saying like I. I think Nick can come up with something if I give him enough time. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give him thirty or forty thousand dollars, and I'm gonna like see what he can come up with in mm-hmm. four or five months. So it's almost like if you could extend that to a couple of years, that is probably the ideal for you and I. Where because at some point I'm sure you thought about commercializing this thing.
2: Yeah, I lost all the source code, but whatever. You lost all um, the source code? Yeah, I lost everything. I, I it was on my old hard drive and it oh, died, yeah, and then yeah, I lost. Yeah, it yeah, we talked about um, that. Yeah, but whatever, mean, you, it's not it's not sitting on GitHub. No, I didn't. Like, oh man, I was just straight cowboying this whole thing. That's amazing. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I, I, I I do think to to your point, like you, I think if you choose grad school, you go you choose to do like a research master's or um something without a specific goal in mind like I you need to you need to do this law degree or you need to do this MBA for just table stakes in your industry I think you almost have to do it for passion and interest and expect nothing more out of it that's the way I kind of see it like your your passion is the only thing and your interest is the only thing that's going to carry you through because there is going to be a dark period in grad school and I felt I found it to be I I brought it brought this up before but I found it to be a one of the most rewarding times in my life but also one of the most depressing times in my life yeah because you're just working on this one problem for so long and you don't you don't know if anybody cares about it um and you just feel like you're wasting your time and like what the hell is like who who, who gives a shit about this i'm not changing the world with this um
3: yeah yeah yeah. and you and you start to get this this crushing sense because part of being a like a Uh, Say a good grad student is to read a lot and read like you know papers and like what's Mm -hmm. what's new and what's coming, and and you just realize how long people spend to produce very niche things, right? And I think Mm -hmm. you, I also got struck with how futile our work really was at the end of the day because the the pace of change in tech in computer science is so fast that even if you're spending four or five years on something unless you really picked the right kind of industry that that's growing or that's uh being looked at, the chances mm-hmm. of your work ever affecting anything are, are quite small, really. Because mm-hmm. if the industry just doesn't go that way or if um Yeah, you know, it's just yeah. it, it's it's a weird it's a weird kind of um like let's put it this way, I don't hold any hopes that somebody is gonna do a a J JSTOR or a Google Scholar search one day and be like, Thank God Kent wrote this paper on building a memory aid device like there's no way that's happening and yeah. i've only had one person in 10 years reach out to me and ask me a question about my my work so and it was like a very throwaway it was actually a question about one of my sources that i like basically like <laughs> like uh, like I, I if anything i was a glorified like bibliography for for somebody and um I should actually I probably have that email. I should see what they actually did. I don't know if they ever finished what they were doing, but um anyway, so going back to just really reaching it like uh, re- re- I was going to say re- reaching it right around that sounds not the best. <laughs> so just just bringing this right back, I think that um you know, so you're you're talking about you, you know, you've got this art background, your priorities might be different. I think that the that to me sounds like a I, – I, I, I don't know what kind of grad school program you're you're thinking about, but if you have a like an art background or you're an artist or something like that, it that kind of feels like a good fit in the way of you. you I think we need more of those kind of people in the grad school system, especially if you're thinking of doing something uh, kind of even like y, like sciencey related. Again, I don't know. Um, I this is going to sound like such a, uh, oh, I don't even know if I should say how I really feel. Well, fuck it. We try to be as honest as we can. I, I don't, I really do look at some fields of, of research and I just don't see, I don't get it. Like, I look at history or English and I'm sorry, but I just, there's something about like reading a book for four years and then having a, a, a different interpretation on it. I don't know if that's really going... like Unless that's your field, unless you are in academia and you've chosen this pursuit of knowledge and this pursuit of truth as your highest ideal, if that's the kind of masters you're thinking of doing, I'm just very biased in saying I I don't get it. I don't really think that's going to do anything unless it's just teaching you how to think a different way or teaching you how to write a different way. But um, selfishly... You probably like tech a little bit, or else you wouldn't be listening to this. If you have an art background, you should be looking at DGP, or you should be looking at one of these programs that tries yeah. to throw architects with computer people or um, artists. Be the Media Lab, yeah, the, the Media Lab—that's the best incarnation of yeah. it right now, right? Yeah.
2: So. Um, or there's that's, like an interesting program at NYU. Um, yes. That's yes. Uh, also like an art tech mix, but. Yeah.
3: And, and you know what? You might walk away from that with nothing. Like you might say, yeah. that, that was fun. Like the way you would say after summer camp, wow, that was fun. I made some really interesting friends and I've got some good stories. And, but it changes you in a, in, a, in a way. Like there's no question that my ability to ask questions, to think, to imagine and uh, just ideate have all been influenced by my time at, at U of T. and just working with people like you and yeah. the con- the conversations we would have just push you you know they i love that um quote or axiom or whatever that you're you're basically the average of the five people you spend the most time with so mm. pick pick those five people really carefully and what grad school does is it tips that balance for a very short amount of time into a really interesting place because the five people that you spend the most time with in grad school are probably going to be different background than you smarter than you. Um, like it's a, everyone kind of raises the bar. Like you never run into somebody at grad school and say like, how did you get in here? You know, even yeah, though that's yeah. what I was always worried about. Like you're like, wow, you're cool. you got an interesting story or, um you did what like when you were how old like holy shit you're like some you know what i'm saying like it's just uh
2: but it's 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 like what you said like the chance of you running into somebody at the water cooler or something that is like it you you should dictate like which schools or um what programs and all that stuff around like what kind of people you're going to be interacting with because it is like you're going to be with like the creme de la creme in a lot of ways of um people in your kind of area that you're you're looking to do your 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 masters in
3: and and hey i know i gave you shit for the carnegie Mellon thing but just being in all seriousness because i think it deserves a serious note um it the location plays a huge role because i uh you know i've always loved stanford and for obvious reasons it's stanford and it's beautiful and uh it's stanford but and truthfully i had an opportunity to go there thanks to ron so i mean i could have transferred to stanford like 6 months in to my oh um, really yes yeah, so there was a professor down there that ron knew who was interested in a similar vein and basically said hey like throw me a couple students and like we'll we'll do this but i have no regrets or no even like what if kind of moments mm-hmm. because at that time in my life i was just like no i'm i've made my i, I love toronto i've made my my choice to be here and that was that was a huge reason like it is lonely it is depressing yeah. you, you 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 will you yeah. will you will get into these feelings of why am i doing this this is hard this sucks this is worthless um all my friends are making 10 times more money than me and if you're also by yourself in a shitty city then that's going to get even worse whereas if you if you're in a place you love, whether that includes family being there or not, that's that's a personal choice. But, um, you know, you you do need to know like where you draw energy from because you will need energy to to get yeah. this thing
2: to get yeah. This thing done. Yeah. And oh man, you got I can't believe you you, you could have went to Stanford. I think like my Carnegie Mellon decision that was a, probably a poor decision on your part.
3: <laughs> oh, but you know what? We never went down the road of cost or anything because I sort of shut it down. Pretty quickly, but there's no way that would have been a free ride. And no, I, I didn't have you know $75,000 lying in, in my pocket, so yeah, that probably wouldn't have been a starter. But
2: it's um, no, uh, I'm it's you know, we make the decisions, and uh, yeah, I, I think I got into Sago uh, partly because of my work at uh, at, at, at Ron's lab, yeah, because I was doing work with seniors um i knew deb who was a research assistant there who did a little bit of work with sego um consulting work with sego she did like some user testing stuff she recommended me and then the alignment of designing for seniors was very very close with designing for kids and that's kind of how i got into Sago. um so it's really weird like connecting the dots looking back right but yeah it would have been a very different future if I went to Carnegie, just like it would probably be a very different future if you went to Stanford. Um, yeah. and sorry. Let's, let's, uh, let's just, but yeah,
3: I, I need to just, uh, I didn't get in like this was like, Hey, there's a chance I could get you. Like, it's not like I had a piece of paper f- no. from Stanford saying, Hey, come on. Like, so all I'm saying is that it, you, you, you need to be true to yourself and know like, like what your, what your priorities are, not what, you think your priorities should be, but, like, really, what are your priorities? Like, if you want to be close to home, then, then be close to home. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And um, we're lucky that home has some pretty damn good schools. Yeah. If you want to be close to home, you live in Montana, you you might have some problems, right? Because you you just might not have those resources, but, uh, or the opportunities that, that we have growing up, uh, you know, in Toronto. But yeah. anyway, I hope that... Um, I hope that there's some uh, something in this uh rant or diatribe here but I, like any other kind of uh overall advice you would so give to our um our The unders- other
2: thing the other background. thing I will say is um the one big benefit of going to grad school is that you become a perceived expert. And this is kind of like the whole sham of academia, I think. But if you are doing your master's or you have a PhD in, say, computer science or whatever, you are suddenly this perceived expert. And even though you think you're a total imposter, the outside world thinks you are a real expert. And I don't know if you you agree or disagree, but I, I even – do you remember uh, Steve, Steve Engels? Um, yeah. Professor, uh, lecturer at U of T, computer science. He basically he, – he was actually one of the first people to kind of really – do courses around uh, video games and computer science. I do remember. And, yeah. Yeah. He jumped on that really early. And then it's now there's a whole bunch of like school programs built around video games and computer science. But he was, he started early as a way of getting people interested in computer science, which was a really good angle. And I was his TA for a few years when I was doing grad school. But I remember this guy, Steve Engels, he'll admit this, but he's never made a game in his life. He doesn't know how to make a game. Um, but he is this perceived expert in video games because he teaches a video game course (laughs) and it's crazy. Like if there's any sort of video game related news, the Toronto star or whatever newspaper is going to call him and interview him. Um, which is insane. Or the fact that we have HCI degrees, human computer interaction degrees. Um, it just opens a lot of doors in that. We are these perceived experts in kind of user user design, user interaction design, you know, so, um, yeah, which can, is can weird. I, sorry, yeah.
3: I, I know I said I wasn't gonna, I was gonna try to keep this tight, but I, I do just I want to ask this question, and it's yeah, a yeah. totally selfish, self serving question. So don't, we don't have to, don't, don't spend a lot of time on it. But I think like one of the one of the things I'm trying to curb in 2018 is my, I think I can come off as a. Uh, like a very aggressive uh, stone thrower of, of the product team. So I will be very vocal about ideas that I just don't think are good ideas. And mm-hmm. uh, and I'll, I'll always try to do them publicly in the way that, like, I'm not trying to back channel. It's just like, hey, Mr. PM or Mrs. PM, I just think this is a bad idea for these reasons. Mm-hmm. And I, I just know that I kind of have this reputation of, like, oh, what's Ken going to say now? He's not a PM, but he's kind of this know-it-all who thinks that he – and like, do you think that my background at DGP, if I like needed to lean on it from a product, like, do you think that I have more product foundations than other people because of our DGP background?
2: Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, th- I think I think you're a good product person, but I I don't know. I yeah, maybe no, I'm no, biased. But,
3: but, no, no, but forget about like anything I've built or about my any conversations we've had. But like, do you think that? Because I've, I've sometimes wondered, like, is this where I actually lean on this thing sometimes? Like if I, 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 I never want to be that person and say, do you know where I went? Like I would never frame it that way. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you're a doctor and you don't tell anybody and you know that something is going wrong or they're not using the right tools or the, their tools aren't sharp enough, it's up to you to kind of say something. So like one of the things that drives me nuts is how we prototype We spent a lot of time learning how to prototype in our master's program. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, like, hey, like, why don't we just, like, do a Wizard of Oz prototype here? Like, I can just go print off some paper. We'll put some paper down here. And people Mm -hmm. literally looked at me like I was from another planet. And they're like, no, we're going to use Sketch and we're going to use this, like, video animation prototyping tool. And I was like, that all sounds like a big fucking waste of time. (laughs) <laughs> and I can go do everything you're about to do in 15 minutes and I'll go pull people off the street. And, yeah. and, then, and then there's part of me that just says like, maybe that's me just being the brazen, you know, Trump esque hyper hyperbolic k- communicator that I can be. And then there's some, there's this little voice in the back of my head. That's like, Kent, you spent two and a half years learning about this shit? And, and you know, for a fact that they didn't. So maybe you, you do need to actually put your foot down a little bit more here and be like, you, I don't think you guys are doing this right, not because you're not smart, but because you don't know that there's a better way. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, and uh, I guess, okay, so a couple of opinions on this. I, I think you I think you are a product person. It's not just because of grad school, but think of all the kind of startup things you've worked on, products have you've been on. You, you've you've helped shaped a lot of things out there so i think you know from that perspective alone you have a credible voice in the room um regarding things like paper prototyping or kind of making like high fidelity or low fidelity prototypes like yeah like i i I agree that you should try to fail as early as possible because you know the earlier you fail the cheaper it is really um but there's also the part of like, I don't know, maybe there's a certain process that just works for everybody. And it's hard to rock the boat sometimes if this is a process that everyone is used to and that's how they perform and that's how they know how to evaluate.
3: Right, right. And then know, here's, like, here's this person, it's almost like I'm I'm trying to change the system, but I haven't taken the time to understand the existing system.
2: Yeah or 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 maybe they they have tried it and maybe they have failed at it or they it doesn't work for this reason or that reason or maybe the system works the best for I don't know I I could be totally wrong I have no idea but um that could that could be the case too Okay to that's fair so, like,
3: so so it's not that and again I'm asking cuz I haven't worked in a pure product like in a professional product perspective the way you have so there aren't these golden rules that just work everywhere like you know like if you're a developer it's like yeah you should probably test um or yeah you should have integration testing or you should have smoke testing or you should do unit tests like that's just kind of a common thing now that everyone does Mm -hmm. is it is it a common thing in in product in product to be like oh we should we should low fidelity this and then move it into Sketch? Or do some teams just,
2: that is their low fidelity, is
3: going into so Sketch? Sometimes
2: sometimes it'll, it'll be quicker for people to do it in Sketch than even to do like a low fidelity prototype. Right, okay. Because I think the the one hard part too, when you do, if you, you do a really low fidelity prototype and then you get some data back and they don't like it, then you're like, is it because of the prototype? Or like, did I not give you enough information? If they like it, then I don't know. It, you, it's, it's, it's also like, it's hard sometimes to draw proper conclusions depending on what your your experimentation is, right? And how you're measuring this, how you're evaluating this. Or it's like um, your
3: your level of conclusion is a function of the sophistication of your prototype.
2: Yeah. And I don't know, and in, in, in what we do, I kind of like our best prototypes, I think are things that are done in like circles and squares, like moving circles and squares. And right. you're really just trying to test like how something feels or like the 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 core experience of something and because if you look at like um let's say fifa the the video game um on the dev team i'm sure they all play it as like little dots moving on the screen they don't play it as like the proper rendered characters and everything else but the core experience you're gonna play with the dots and you're gonna you're gonna get the same kind of experience at the end of at the end of it than you will with the fully rendered characters that's interesting yeah um but it, it depends on what you're trying to measure right and sometimes that's kind of hard to to do if it's uh maybe too low fidelity um because if it's too low fidelity that just might bias things too much at the same time um i i don't know but i'm i'm, I'm generally with you like i think the cheaper you you failed the the better and maybe the good benchmark is if they kind of like it then let's make a sketch version let's try that um okay but... so maybe
3: let me let me ask this last sort of um now you you hire people you've hired people mm-hmm. and you will continue to hire more people as you go on in your career how how do you look at somebody when they have a master's or a phd um I know this is a very hard question, <laughs> but like what what goes on cuz I'll tell you I just had a conversation on Friday with one of uh my friends at Hubba who happens to be looking for for somebody and I'll I'll tell you the anecdote quickly and then I'll I'll get your take on it but uh he had a PhD applying for a job and frankly I I red flagged it um and I just said unless you can really get at why this person who has a PhD is coming to a job that he is clearly overqualified for if he doesn't have a great answer for that i would potentially red flag this one because i don't know how you could like give yourself to something for six years and then decide to totally 180 that and like you're either really bad at giving things up when you know you should like maybe you you have this weird commitment bias where even if you know it's a bad idea, you're just going to keep doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather have the person who quit their PhD three years in, mm-hmm. um, per- personally, on my team. Um, and, and frankly, they're going to ask for more money and they're they're overqualified. Like, so whereas if it's a master's, I, I don't really look at it the same way. So I judge PhDs a lot harder than I judge master's because yeah. the biggest question I have is like, look, man, I've been in the factory. I know how this shit gets made. And if you're telling me that you gave seven years of your life to something, and now you're not doing anything remotely like it, I just I don't know if I can trust your judgment. Like, mm. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, and I know people change, and that's always the story I tell myself. Like, yeah, whatever, man. Maybe he was really into it, and now he's not. And that's a very but you have to at least probe and get a good enough answer for that question. No,
2: anyway, I I red flag it for different reasons. I read okay. I, I red flag it even masters. I red flag it um not just as a cautionary thing because and this goes to the other question i think is like um, learning and developing in school versus work because i think people in grad school because having have done it you're lone wolfing a lot of stuff you oh, don't work yeah. in teams you're right. working by yourself you're almost and, incentivized to work by yourself in a way yeah so when you are say even let's just say let's just say programming when you're programming by yourself. It's very very different than working in a team You are not building maybe scalable Shareable code you are not architecting things in a certain way You are just really cowboying stuff because in in, in grad school. You're just really building something quick to test a hypothesis, right? you know, that's really what you're doing so you are not building professional grade code is mm-hmm. my is my concern and you're not yeah. used to working in a team and you're gonna have a bit of i don't know i find this a little bit sometimes is like there's a bit uh you, you get in the at least on the, the programming standpoint you get people who are really into like chasing these interesting tech problems but they're not good product problems hmm. yeah do you know what i mean they're like, oh, cool! This is a new programming language. I'm going to do it this way. Let's rearchitect the whole thing to do it this way because it's going to be
3: ten <laughs> percent faster, or or it's or it's like it's like more beautiful, or it's
2: more pure, or something. Yeah, or, yeah.
3: Right? And so it's almost like theory versus pragmatism,
2: or something. Yeah, and they also just become a little bit too. Um, not, I, I'm, I'm generalizing, but sometimes you, they, I, I find they might be too, um, not not like too much ego in the room. But they've been working by themselves for too long Mm. that I'm concerned that they don't know how to work in a a group or team setting. That's a much better
3: set of reasons than mine. I like your, I'm going to go with yours from now on. (laughs) But do you you agree? 100%. I agree with everything you said. And I I think they're, I just objection, objectionally, they're better than my reasons that they make more rational sense because you, um, and, and again, just kind of bouncing back to the MBA example. If you were to ask my wife if she was here, because um, she gets asked all the time by people, uh, should should they do an MBA? Because remember, MBAs you're paying like I think her MBA costs some crazy like thirty three thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah. So, and she was lucky because she went to U of T, so she got to like borrow credits, so she got to fast track her MBA because they acknowledged a lot of her credits from U of T. Mm. Um, or else it would have been even like forty thousand or something like that. So. Um, her, Oh, wait, sorry. Where was I going with this? Um, people ask her why, why shit,
2: they do the MBA or
3: yeah, no, no crap. I actually lost my train. Uh, I actually lost my train of thought here. You were talking about, uh, Oh, sorry. That's right. Um, she said that the, the, <laughs> the networking mm-hmm. and, and group work was worth the money. So, Everything at the NBA, you it's actually team oriented. So it's very collaborative. You you hardly do anything by yourself, which mm. is so frustrating, especially for someone like my wife who is smart, type A. She's the one who's always gonna be that person in a group project who does most of the work but doesn't get the, the credit for it, you know? And mm. you and it's infuriating because I would watch her, I'm like, why are you working so hard? Your group is not working as hard as you. But that's part of it that's that's life that that's that's being in an office that's being on a team like there's always these weird dynamics and politics and shit like that so mm-hmm. her answer is always like if you can afford it you should do it because you even like yes you'll get these hard skills which we already talked about but just putting yourself in these weird situations where you have to like work with a super jockey ego-driven person with a quiet introvert with a person who doesn't even speak your language as a first language um, but is like very smart but has trouble expressing themselves and like just that whole mix is very rich and it's Mm -hmm. it's it that's worth something right so Mm -hmm. i think that it's just interesting like what different programs select for whereas in our case it's not like that at all it's very solo it's very lone wolf and i didn't even think about what you said about code quality that's such a great idea like you're not going to write unit tests for your thesis you're not writing performance tests unless yeah. that's your and that's that's what your thesis is about like mm-hmm. as long as it works you're you don't give a shit you know yeah um which or, is or kind go, of yeah, yeah yeah or
2: it goes the opposite way like you're just really into unit tests and really into performance tests and you just lose sight of like yeah this doesn't <laughs> fucking matter you yeah, know that's true too yeah well so uh
3: okay so i guess gun to your head bill simmons style here you could go back in time um do you do the do you do it again
2: yeah i would do it again but i wouldn't do it with ron hmm. i think i would have applied again to i don't know i i think uh, man i i wish i went to the mit media lab and um did you get in there no, I didn't. And ah. Tarek, who is like my my research assistant, yeah. got into the media lab. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if this is just like the grass is greener. It might have been the same exact experience. Um, but there's a, a a certain level of cachet in getting into the media lab. But I think that would be really cool. I w- maybe I just if I didn't get in, I just applied again the next year. Um, but even at U of T, I no, I I I loved U of T, but I don't know if I would have gone with Ron. I think I would have gone with maybe Kai or Raven. Hmm. Interesting. Um, just being totally honest, and Ron, if you're hearing this, I'm, I'm sorry, man. But
3: no, come on, well, he he knows that too. Personal. Like no, he, um, and and you did well with Ron. It's not like you you didn't succeed. I mean, you you got a great story out of it. So, um, if anything, it's both to both of your characters that you can still, um, yeah, and God, it, yeah, it's 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 a it's a non-starter. I mean, Ron Ron was an amazing. Supervisor one, because he actually just left us alone too. Like we just really had autonomy, which was, which was great. Um, Gun to your head. What would you do? Gun to my head. I, fuck. Eh. I would, this is going to sound so after school special, but I would do it again because we wouldn't be talking if I, if I didn't. So for me, it comes down to the people and experiences. Do I actually think it helped me in any tangible way? No, not, not, not not at all. So It didn't help me get the job I have now. It didn't help me get a job outside of school. It didn't help me when I was consulting. If anything, it worked against me in the, in the job world. Yeah. So it, it was like, fuck, we have to pay this guy more. He's probably got a chip on his shoulder. He's probably a lone wolf who doesn't like talking to people, who doesn't write unit tests, all the things you said. So <laughs> I think that if, if it wasn't for... But, but yeah, but a gun in my head, I would go back and do it again. And I would recommend other people to do it. If they had the the freedom and flexibility to to do it,
2: um, it's honestly the like like yeah. you said about the science camp. It, it is totally true. And there's moments when you're there, which is so inspiring. Just the people you're around, the projects, the the things that are happening, and the freedom of all that is really freeing and very nice. And uh, that's cool. But I think what I would really do if I were to do it all again. I would really think of a topic. Like if I was really into dolphins and I wanted to like, I really wanted to make dolphin translate dolphins and dolphin speak into English. And that was really a passion of mine. I would just look for professors around the world who are into that kind of topic and who would jam with that. And I would follow them and I would do my master's or PhD or whatever with them. But having, Knowing the question, the research question, knowing what you want to achieve in that program ahead of time is really what I would have done, even if it was with Ron. Because if I if I knew exactly what I wanted, I would have just told Ron, "No, this is what I'm doing."
3: Yeah, and and, he, and, he, and you know, he would have been probably relieved.
2: Yeah, uh, and he uh, he he he, yeah. he he would he would have bent for me, or he would have just referred me to somebody he thought would help me succeed hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah.
3: No, you're you're totally right. I think that's great advice. And then the only thing I would add to that is, you know, uh, check your references, you know? So um, I actually would argue that you're better off doing something you're 90% excited about if you are 100% matched socially and emotionally with your professor versus doing something you're 100% intellectually matched on, but only like 60 to 70% socially matched on. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um because I think that they could actually make that like the professor holds way more power. It's it's like this very fucked up power structure actually. Like you really have no power. There's no committee for you to appeal to. There's no like if your professor doesn't want to give you a PhD or a masters, you are not getting a PhD or a masters. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of crazy when you think about it. So you you definitely want to make sure that you're you're marrying somebody that you can at least uh politely tolerate and bend to when you have to to get something yeah. done versus like you know you don't want a, the war of roses with your uh with your <laughs> with your professor or it could end in it could end in tears
2: I, I i still sometimes romanticize about doing a phd i don't know about you i don't uh, know why so i have this. i
3: fantasize about so if i if I won the lottery, I'd go back to like, I'd become a doctor. I'd go to med school. So, yeah. But, but I could also like just see myself wanting to like, but I wouldn't even want to do a PhD. I just want to like go back. Like, just how much do I have to pay you to get like all access, like <laughs> all yeah. access passes back to, to, to DGP and just like hang out whenever I want? Yeah. um and ask questions and go to lectures and oh sorry last thing that's just blew my mind because i went to queens and not uft for my undergrad my god when you pick a school that is in a city like toronto or in you know stanford or, or new york or any of these big cities like at queens we might get like a guest speaker like once a month and it was a big fucking deal and you went because that was the only speaker that was coming that month But at Toronto, you'd have a guest speaker three or four times a week, like industry-leading, amazing people. Yeah, And go to as many of those things as you can. Like just immerse yourself in all of this stuff that's happening around you because once that access gets cut off, you just don't get access to it the same way that you did. And uh, when you go to these big schools, that's one of the advantages is you just get people like Alan Kay, and if you're in our industry, you know who Mm. that is, it's like, hey guys, Alan Kay's coming next week. Like, and he's going to be here for three days. Like, do you want to like yeah, sit and talk yeah, with him? Yeah, was I like, remember that. Wow, yeah, like that sounds fun. Let's do that. And now that a lot of that's because Ron's actually like a big deal with people like Alan Kay. But um anyway, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I just i I still look back and it's like, holy shit! Like we uh we had it so good, and I. Again, in the moment, we probably didn't appreciate it as much as as we should have.
2: Yeah, no, no, for sure, man, for sure.
1: Oh,
3: we're just like we're not going to appreciate these days when we have five listeners and we can say whatever we want. When we get ten thousand listeners, you know, we're going to have to start, you know, product placements and you know. When we get cash sure for money, we're getting our sponsor <laughs> reads right, and uh, it's just uh, it's going to be really hard to focus looking at all of my. Um, you know, Dyson products that they're just gifting us and just like looking at my basement that's gonna be funded by all these sponsors. It's it's gonna be distracting, that's all I'm saying.
2: Yeah, i, I but right hear you, now man.
3: I'm gonna bask in this five listeners. So thank you, listener number three, for your question. Um <laughs> we'd honestly love feedback. I'm just thinking here, like, I don't know how this episode is gonna to land, to be honest with you. Like we I think uh caller number three will get hopefully something out of it. Um, but if you do, if you never even thought about going to grad school, or that never crossed your mind, or you could give two shits, yeah, you might not like this episode. So it'll be interesting. You know, send us more feedback. Uh, hello, at pencilproblems dot com, and yeah, tell us if you like this format. If we should have just spent five minutes on this and then gone back to you know something more like we used to, where we just sort of pick a broad topic. And um, as always, uh, subscribe and. If you feel generous, leave a review or two, or tell a friend, because uh, it's people like you that, you know, make us uh, do this every every week for our five, hopefully six listeners next week.
2: And uh, I'm sorry we failed you again because we said we keep it to an hour, and uh, I think we almost doubled that.
3: We did. We are <laughs> we are at two hours and one minute. I think it's, I I blame myself. I don't know why. I talk a lot and I, I just blame myself for all of no, this. No, man. Thing.
2: It's me too, man. We're just we're just ranters. We're ranters and this is hurting. This is going to hurt our conversion, I'm sure.
3: All right. <laughs> now that we've already gone over two hours here, do you, do you follow any of this Trump stuff?
2: No. Like, oh, like what? Like, there's like, so much heard, Trump stuff.
3: Uh, have you heard about like this book
2: that came out? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So
3: for some reason I'm like really into this. So I got, yeah. I got the audio book and I've been listening to, um, to pieces of it on like triple speed. Cause I just want to blast through this. Yeah. Like, do you, do you think that like, is there a there there with this book or do you think it's all just like, 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 do you think this is going to be it? Is this what it's going to take to just like, it, it's pretty bad. Like I, I'm only, uh, it's an 11 hour book. I'm three hours in and I'm already like, if, if any, if even a, if 30% of America reads this book, which it sounds like that many people have already bought it this week. Yeah. Um, this is not going to end well for, uh, for El, El, Trumpo. So well, um, how, how
2: like how, how bad can it be? How, like, is there, like, is it worse than whatever else he has already done or has said?
3: I think it's more like all the stuff that people have been sort of suspecting. If you believe this guy, it's all right. You know, he, clearly did not want to be president he never thought he would win this was all a publicity stunt gone wrong he um literally watches 6 to 8 hours of tv a day um you know nobody knows what's going on it it's it's just a uh, and and everything is a lie so everything he says is a calculated lie that that gets sort of like like more time goes into what should i say to spin this
2: versus like what should i actually do to run the country so but I don't yeah, think anyway. any of this surprises anybody, you know, I, I don't think but it's going to change anything. You don't think even just getting
3: it like confirmed, like,
2: no, like, just, because just everyone's like it, just going to say that this was fabricated or this isn't real or they're just out to get them again, the okay. supporters of Trump. And I don't know. How do you, how do you win win an argument with, with diehard, diehard fans? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's kind of crazy
3: anyway that's all i was just thinking about that uh because I, I i always get really energized i don't know about you but like i'm gonna stay up for like two or three hours now like i can't go to sleep after this like i'm always kind of fired up so um i'm probably gonna go watch like a good hour of cnn and then uh i'll try to just... like
2: uh
3: buy buy some buy some tokens while i'm at it and uh maybe get some work done so
2: yeah uh i might i might uh i might write for a little bit and then uh, i gotta get back on that. uh the e-commerce the
3: shopify store oh yeah hey next next week we'll check in on your uh your black hat (laughs) e-commerce
2: all right man Um, cool dude
3: well uh have a great time at ces and i'm i really think we should make the next episode if you can do it from from uh from seattle or if we can do it next weekend i think it should just be like a ces maybe some feedback or follow up on this one and then like here's the cool shit i saw at ces and then ken can just nerd out and ask a bunch of questions
2: Yeah, let's do it, man.
0: All right, man.
3: Love you. Talk to you soon.
2: Peace.
0: This is my real desk. It's natural and has flexible organization like piles and sticky notes. I don't have to think about things like what I should name a folder. The computer desktop, on the other hand, hasn't changed for the last 30 years. Uh, Despite all the advances in hardware, internet, and social networks, it's still isolated and forces me into rigid folders and provides only basic functionality. Bumptop is the best of both worlds. It uses the natural look and feel of a desk, but has the power of a computer underneath to help make you more productive. I can make documents bigger if they're more important and easier to see, and they're heavier when they're hit by lighter documents. Bumptop also makes the icons used most often bigger, so they're easy to find. Also, I can just pin up a document to the wall if I want to remember it for later, or write a sticky note like this note to call my mom. It's a fully 3D space, so I can click on the walls to change the view if I want to focus on a particular viewpoint.